Welcome to Last Ones at the Bar, the movement to move with when it comes to the sport of boxing. Our podcast, we talk about all of the important events um, in the sport of boxing each week. My name is Will Henry, and I'm accompanied by Daniel Lee and Lavelle Jackson. First thing that we're going to discuss today, uh, just real quick, fellas, ESPN came out with their current pound-for-pound boxing rankings. And what they have is, is that they have, um, the list goes like this. You have Canelo Alvarez, number one. You got Terrence Crawford, number two. You got NOA, Inoue, number three. At four, you got Errol Spence. You got Teofimo Lopez at number five. Six, Tyson Fury. Josh Taylor at number seven. Alexander Usyk at number eight. Vasil Lomachenko at number nine. And then you got Juan Francisco Estrada at number 10. Uh, what do you guys think about that list? You think it's accurate, or do you think it's some people that are left off of the current pound for pound list listings for ESPN? I don't remember off top what I had last time we did it ourselves on the episode, but um, I'm not super mad at it. I don't. I, I would not put Bud over Errol Spence at this point, strictly off the quality of opposition. So I would have Errol Spence number two. Um, but other than that, I'm not like super mad at it. I don't. I don't know if anybody was left off. I think that the people who are on there is appropriate. I mean, the order they're in may be debatable, but the people who are who, the guys who are there is appropriate. Uh, I mean, that's their list. Um, I th- I thought few people weren't on, wasn't on there that probably deserved to be. Like, uh, personally, I would put Jermail Charlo somewhere in there because he's pretty much having a good year he's has what three of, of the four belts he's one of the few uh i don't think there's anyone on that anyone i don't think there's a champion today that doesn't have that has three of the four belts that isn't on the power final list you know mm, so, like you have canelo and you have uh tiafimo lopez what have you uh you have Errol spence with uh, i think he has two belts i mean if they have two or more belts they're pretty much on his list you know uh, and they're defending those two belts so i thought that was kind of a snub oh okay yeah i mean i mean when i look at the list i can see how you can have this as your list for a pound for pound ranking but personally two guys that i wouldn't have on there necessarily now i wouldn't have a seal on there uh, 14 and 2 and then his last outing being tiafimo lopez i think that after maybe this uh, Nakatani fight, perhaps, you know, or another quality victory, you can put them back in the top 10. But I don't think right now, I think it's more deserving guys that should take his place. And then all, also Alex, Alexander Usyk. I like Usyk. And I see the skills that he has more and more so, you know, as I watch him fight. But I wouldn't have him on there right now, not at heavyweight, um, based on his last few outings. I don't think that at this particular moment, that he should be in the top 10. But, um, you know, like you said, it depends on the criteria of what they use in order to create this list. But I just want to throw that out there. Also, we've been talking about updating our pound for pound list. So be on the lookout for that coming up soon. Um, so actually, we're going to start off as far as the bouts are concerned of what we're going to talk about this week. Yesterday, Shakur Stevenson fought against a hard-nosed opponent and Jeremiah I think his name was uh, Nakatila yesterday on ESPN. Uh, what did you guys think about Shakur's performance? Uh, he, I think Shakur gave a masterclass performance. I thought he could have stepped it up a lot more. Uh, as we heard from the commentators, he had opportunities to, to, to stop Nakatila. Uh, so we have Shakur Stevenson. He came to his fault, into this bout 15 and zip with eight knockouts. Uh, he's five foot eight with a 68 inch reach. Uh, he's a silver medalist from the 2016 Olympics. Uh, so he's in his fifth year as a pro against Jeremiah uh, Nakatili, who's 21 and one coming in this fight, um, 31 years old uh, from Namibia. So uh, this was a classic Southpaw against an Orthodox with uh, um Chris Stevenson uh, playing the southpaw role. Um, I thought he, he he pretty much played the pot shot and roll. I mean, he was putting on a master class. It was nothing that Nakatili could do. 
but also at the same time, I thought Stevenson, you know, he could have probably could have stepped it up and stopped him. Just judging by when he was hitting Nakatili with these, with the uh, the counter punches and the 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 the, uh, the the leads, the lead hands. I mean, I mean yeah, the, the, uh, I believe it was the left hand leads. Uh, Nakatili was feeling the effects. And when someone gets their head snapped back a lot of times, that means that they, they pretty much you can, there's an opportunity there to hurt them and possibly stop them. So I kind of wish that what's the name was in this corner, uh, Virgil Hunter. Uh, if you haven't seen Virgil Hunter training uh, Brandon Gonzalez against uh, uh, Thomas Anduzin, I believe, where he gives him this pep talk in the corner and Hunter is like, Man, he's ready to be whooped, man. He's ready to be. We just whispering to him. He's like, he's ready to be whooped. Don't let it get away. And that's why I, I wish uh, someone could be telling Shakur Stevenson that. Like, don't let it get away. He's ready to get whooped. Now I understand it. You know, this is boxing, and you're supposed to hit and, and not get hit, and you and Shakur is supposed to be defensively responsible. But I thought he could still be defensively res- responsible and step it up and possibly. Uh, you know, stop Nakatili, and it, it would have been uh, a little more impressive. But shouts out to Shakur Stevenson. You know, he's on his, his way. He says he wants to fight uh, Jamel Herring and or uh, Oscar Valdez, I, which I think are excellent fights. I would favor him over them both. But I, I want to see it. It's time for him to step it up and and if he can and see if he can run the table at 130. Yeah, I thought it was a good win for Shakur yesterday against Nakatili. Um, you know, when I'm looking at the guys inside the range, Shakur against an opponent like Nakatila, he just has too much in a, in, a, in regards to the balance, um, his athleticism, and acumen as far as his punching ability, offensive ability, just everything. Only thing Nakatila really had was that puncher's chance. And he was this really strong guy, but he was like rather stiff, you know, so. When it comes to like people saying that he could have like took more chances, my question is why? You know, why put yourself in a situation where you can get caught? The only way Nakatsuki was going to win that fight is if he was able to catch him with a shot, and he did catch him with a shot or two. Um, but I just thought that it didn't make any sense. You know, move on to bigger and better things. Like if you fight somebody, and you're fighting an Oscar Valdez, or you're fighting somebody for a belt. You know, you might want to put seal the deal with a KO just to make sure that you don't get cheated or anything like that. But in a situation like that, just go ahead and win a fight. You outclass the guy you win every round. He barely can hit you certain rounds. He only landed like one or two punches inside the round. So don't give him that opportunity. And don't listen to anybody else who's suggesting that you make yourself vulnerable. Similar to what happened to Devin Haney. You know, Devin Haney's putting on a masterful performance, but that one little chink in his armor, you know, people focus in on that. He could have put himself in a situation where he's putting on a beautiful display, and then everybody said, well, well, why did he do that? Nah, man, just go ahead and do what you did. Solid victory. But moving forward, what I want to see from him is, like, even before he gets to an Oscar Valdez, because he's fighting these guys that's the caliber of opponents. It may not be his fault. I'm not sure. But I just, for him, I would prefer to see him fight somebody like uh, Pedraza, like fight somebody like Pedraza first, you know what I mean, and then get, then you can go ahead and go up to a Herring, and then you can go ahead and get your Oscar Ball bed, maybe a Tevin Farmer, you know, rock them all, you know, get you a, you know, somebody or Gutierrez or somebody like that. Um, but that's what I hope that, to see from him next, and then take on, you know, the best fighter that you possibly can in your weight class, but. At the end of the day, man, it was really a masterful performance by um, a very talented young fighter, Mr. Corsi. Yeah, you guys basically said everything there is to say about it. I mean, he cruised to a 120-107 decision. I don't know how anybody could have scored it otherwise. Uh, for what it's worth, you know, I will add that it was for the interim WBO belt, and Shakur was rated – he was ranked number one. Nagathila was ranked number two in the WBO. And so uh, he is now Jamel Herring's mandatory, you know, which should make for a much more exciting fight with more stakes on the line. But I do agree, Will. Um, you know, if you have somebody that's punching, that's landing at a 9% punch rate, why, you know, why get, why put yourself 
you know, in the risk of getting hit. And so, um, you know, again, once he does face that step up, whether it be the Herring or ultimately Valdez, um, you know, I imagine that just off the strength of the stakes and off the strength of the opposition alone, it'll make for more exciting fights. And, you know, if he wins those fights, either or both of those fights, you know, whatever whatever uh, criticism that fans and talking heads could have about him will be wiped away at that point because it's like, all right, what can you say about him? He's unified or he has a belt now. Um, so, yeah, it was a massive performance by him. I wasn't mad at it. Does anyone else have anything on this? No, sir. Cool. So moving on to the predictions uh, segment, I guess. Um, next week's going to be a very busy week in boxing. Uh, starting out with uh, one of that one of those top pound for pounds, uh, Nayoa Anue. And he is fighting his mandatory, Michael Dasmarinas on ESPN next week. Um, how do you guys see that going? So we got uh, Monster Inoue, who's 5'5", 67 and a half inch reach, orthodox fighter. He's 20-0, 17 KOs. In a prime of his career at 28 years old, he last fought Jason Maloney last year in October, October 31st, against Michael Dasmarinas, uh, 5'7", southpaw, um, calls himself hot and spicy, 32, I mean, 32-1 with 20 KOs, and he last fought October um, 2019. So he's coming off a pretty long layoff. When it comes to the monster, man, the monster is extremely, extremely gifted fighter, sharp, accurate jab, has a variation of punches that he throws and lands, subtle and effective defense. Although he was getting touched up a little bit by um Donair slightly um in that bout that they had in 2019 awesome body puncher and again he kind of reminds me of Felix Tito Trinidad with that left hook that he throws um that timely left hook to the head and to the body one of the most talented most talented fighters that we have in the sport I currently have that number three when it comes to the pound for pound um, listing that's Marinas. Um, he's a pretty good fighter in terms of his skill. Um, pretty heavy left hand. I saw him, you know, knock out a few guys with the left hand. Um, but when it comes to this fight, I just think it's levels to the sport of boxing. A new way, like I just stated, one of the top powerful pound fighters in the world. And to me, that's Marinas is what I will look at. No offense to him, but I just think he's a contender. So when I look at each guy, Based on the level of opposition that Desmarinas has faced, I look at it and I see a mid-round stoppage for the monster. Um, but I think, again, this is more so, to me, a tune-up type fight for uh, Anuwe as, he's, as he moves forward. And hopefully after this fight, we'll see something like a Donaire rematch or even um, John Casamero, who has a WBO strap at 118. But... You know, just based on the skill level of both guys, I see this as a mid-round stoppage. What do you guys think? Yeah, I don't really have any other anything else to add that you that you said. Um, you know, he's satisfied as mandatory, and I think it'll um, I think it'll set him up for for one of those two fights that you said. You know what I mean? There's not. I think this is going to be kind of. Uh, a showcase fight for him. Um, it is on top rank, so it'll be a chance, uh, right on ESPN rather, so it'll be a chance for uh, the American fan base to see what he's about, you know? So it'll be, I think it'll be good for, for that reason. Yeah, you guys, both of you guys said it uh, correctly. Will, you pretty much broke it down. Um, it's pretty much a showcase fight for a new way. I mean, it could be, it's possible that it could be tough in spots, but I expect Anui to, uh, you know, impress and represent. Uh, just as long as he's not looking past uh, Demos- Demarius, I believe that's his name. As uh, long as he's not looking past him and looking at the Donaire fight, he should be fine. Agreed. Also next week, we have uh, Tiafima Lopez. He's going against uh, Doris Cambosis. I believe he's out of Australia. Uh, what do you guys think about that fight? Who are you liking that matchup? So Teofimo's coming in um, 16-0, 12 knockouts, 
five foot eight, six eight and a half inch reach. He most recently beat uh, Vasily Lomachenko in October of last year, and then before that, he beat Richard Comey in December of 2019. Uh, George Cambosos Jr. is 19 and 0 with 10 knockouts, uh, five nine and a half, six inch reach. Uh, not six inch reach. Uh, I think it's a 68 inch reach. Um, he most recently beat Lee Selby in October of last year and Mickey Bay in December of 19. Um, so some decent opposition, but not Loma or Kome level. Um, I did watch those previous two fights that he had fought in. And, you know, he had a solid jab. He, and he's a good counter puncher. Uh, I like that he's a patient fighter. And so for Cambosos, if he can get Loma Lopez's timing down, um, he can make it interesting. The problem is um, he's going to have to take some shots in order to do that, probably. Um, and Lopez is already one of the bigger guys at 135. And he has one of the sharpest, most powerful jabs in the division. And I, I think he's going to be looking to come forward at Cambosos, especially if his Cambosos power doesn't command respect. So, you know, so again, if Cambosos can withstand his power enough to get timing down, he could make it close. But um, I will give him respect in the sense that on top of his attributes, he's willing to take risks. Um, and I think that'll make for an entertaining fight. But I also think uh, Cambosos will be willing to take risks is going to cost him. And I think, um, you know, just what we we're talking about with Shakur Stevenson, not that not that Lopez has a puncher's chance by any means, but I think that by taking risks, you put yourself in the line of fire. And I think this will lead to uh, Cambosos probably getting um, getting stopped in one of the middle rounds. So uh, that's kind of how I see it going. Uh, anybody else have anything on that one? Sure. Um, this is actually an interesting fight. I think uh, Lopez will probably stop him probably in the late rounds instead of mid rounds. Um, but I don't think it's it's a uh, mismatch or anything. Watching Kambosa, he does like as you say, he throws those counter punches, and he's a you know he's a big guy as well. Uh, with Lopez, the only concern I have with Lopez, which could play in this fight, is, is how focused is he on Kambosa, and if he's looking past Kambosa and saying that's just a mandatory. If he's just looking at him as a mandatory and not his, you know, not his full confidence self, uh, then I, I can see him having problems. But if Lopez is fully, you know, 100%, you know, up for the win, then, yeah, I, I think he'll stop him probably in eight to ten rounds. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. Looking at how both of them fight, I think it's going to be entertaining, even if, if if there is a knockout, even if Lopez does stop him. I still expect it to be an entertaining fight. Yeah, this it's going to be competitive. It's, it's going to be a competitive fight. I like uh... – Lopez because, you know, obviously the talent and his boxing ability, um, his power, especially in that right hand. Um, some of the things that I noticed about him, sometimes he gets a little fatigued towards the middle rounds like he did against uh, Loma um, in their last fight. But real, you know, really athletic guy. And then Cambosa's on the other hand. What he likes to do is he likes to get in the pocket and then uh, apply that pressure, you know, that's, he's pretty good in that range. Like when he applies the pressure, he's really up. He's up close on you. Um, he does really well. But the one thing I do notice about him is that he gets tagged a lot in there. And the other thing, when he's applying that pressure, that he's not really setting you up for anything. He's just applying that pressure, and um, like really not with too many angles or anything like that. It's just a matter of if you're going to be able to handle it throughout the course of the fight. Um, as he, as he moves forward. I just don't think that's going to be enough for T.O. if T.O. is on his game, you know. And so, like I said, the reason why I think it's going to be competitive, though, is because you're going to get the best version of Cambosa that you possibly get because he really, really does not like Lopez. Um, but the other thing, the other two reasons why I favor Lopez is because of Cambosa's, just looking at his record, the lack of power that he has he only has 10 ko's and 19 victories and then the other thing that i mentioned is that um i think it's a skill level difference between him and tio but outside of that um should be a good fight i'm looking forward to it but uh, hopefully if tio gets the victory we'll see him move into either that josh taylor fight or at 140 if he decides to move up 
or if he stays at 135, we can see him versus Haney for all of the marbles. And then he also um, could potentially face Tank if Tank gets past if Tank gets past uh, Mario Barrios. But we shall see. All right. So also next week at the middleweight division, uh, we have Jamal Charlo uh, facing off against Juan Macias Montiel on Showtime. Uh, how you guys seeing that one play out? This is for the WBC belt. So we have Jamal Charlo, uh, I believe the older of the twins. Um, he's 30 years old, 31 and 0 with 22 knockouts, six feet even with a 73 inch reach. Um, he has wins over uh, Austin Trout, uh, K9, Cornelius Bungerich, and uh, and this, the uh, stoppage of uh, J Rock, Julian Williams, which all happened at 154, which I thought he had his most impressive wins at that weight. And he moved up to 160. He had some decent wins, but not as impressive as what his brother is doing right now. But he had some pretty good ones over uh, uh, Hugo Cent- uh, Centennial, uh, Matt Korobov, and Brandon Adams, and Sergei uh, Derichenko. So he's going against Juan uh, Macias, I believe that's the name, Macias Matiel, who is 22-4. and four with uh, 22 knockouts, all his wins has, has come by knockouts, but his who he's beaten is, hasn't been that impressive. He's fit six foot one with a 74 inch reach. Uh, he actually has a loss to Jaime Muniga, uh, which he was stopped in the second round. And I believe he went down a few times in that fight. Um, and he has a draw with Hugo Centineo Jr., who is also uh, an opponent of Charles so they have a measuring stick so looking at all those those facts honestly i think i think charlo is going to sleep him within two rounds and i'm not talking about stopping i think he's gonna put him to sleep <laughs> and i would be shocked if charlo did not stop him within six rounds but for my prediction i think it's going to come within the first two rounds and it's probably going to come in the first round i think he's going to going to put uh, he's going to put Montiel to sleep in the first round. And that, that's going to be all she wrote. So when you see this fight, don't get your, I believe it's next week. When you see it, uh, get that popcorn first. Don't go to the bathroom while it's going on. Cause I think this is going to be over quick and it can be over at any time. Anything else you guys want to share? Yeah. If you don't mind, if I can just uh, chime in a little bit. I just want to um, throw out a few things as far as like Charlo, the attributes as far as what I see. And I mentioned this before that I like both of those guys because they both have chips on their shoulder. They, they fight, you know, mean, angry. Um, and this particular Charlo, he's excellent. Like I say, when he controls real estate, the geography of the ring, nice power, especially at 154. Um, he exhibited a lot of powerful punches. Um, and I also mentioned this before that for my liking, I think he gets hit, hit too much because um, he gets a little wide and sloppy when he gets tired. But like I say, very, very good with the um, power shots, uppercuts, um, and that right hand. Like those are tr- some tremendous world-class shots that he throws uh, with the right hand. Um, as far as his opponent, uh, Montiel, the footage that I've seen of him so far is that now, obviously, he packs a wallop with his, um, I want to say the right hand primarily, but he has uh, dynamite in both hands. But it's against like lower level opposition. But as soon as you see him fight, you'll notice that he's very slow afoot and he's very slow um, as far as the punches that he throws, right? So that stuff can get off against the lower level opposition that he's been knocking out. But as you stated, he has um, a draw against Centennial. Um, he dropped Centennial, but it's just the caliber of fighter that he's facing to go, you know, that just lets you know, like Charlo got Centennial out of there and it was just a huge gap in talent. And you're going to see the same thing in this fight. He also, Jaime McGee just wiped the floor with him. You know, that's probably one of the best fights I've seen from Jaime McGee when he demolished them in two rounds. But I want to say that was at 154 and possibly uh, Montiel just, you know, he may have been drained, but he just didn't look good at all against Jaime McGee. Munguia just had way too much for 
uh, Montiel in that fight. And then, but he's coming off, you know, I wouldn't say an impressive victory, but it was impressive in terms of the name when he demolished um, James Kirkland last December in the first round. But at the end of the day, looking at the skill level of Montiel and looking at the skill level of Charlo, I think that this is going to be what I would consider rubber bands, yo-yos, yoga class. And what do I mean by that? This man is going to get stretched, you know. So hopefully after this impressive victory by Jamel Charlo, it, shouldn't, it, it can't be anything other than an impressive victory. I don't see this dude going any more than three to five rounds that we'll see Charlo against one of those upper echelon guys like a Triple G, like an Andre, like a Eubank Jr., or even a Murata. I wouldn't even really mind seeing him fight against Mangia, but I just want to see him fight somebody um, that's capable of giving him a challenge, and I don't see that happening in this fight. Anything you want to share, Danny? Um, no, you guys did a pretty good job of, of breaking it down. I have nothing to add. Okay. So moving right along, uh, one of the names you might have heard in our, in our last uh, exchange, Jaime Mugia. Uh, he'll be fighting um, fighting uh, Massey Selecki. I believe that name has changed. Um, I believe he's fighting someone else, but that's the name that that was previously stated. I don't know if, if, if it's 100% uh, in stone right now, but what do you guys see happening in this fight? So uh, per the zone, it looks like uh, he will be fighting Camille Zerameda on next week. And so uh, if you recall, Zerameda... He's the one that just fought Triple G back in December. But um, when Gia is 36 and 0, 29 knockouts, um, six foot even, 24, uh, 24 years old, uh, he last beat Tiriano Johnson in October of last year. And uh, Zerameda is 21 and 1 with five knockouts, five, nine and a half. Like I said, he last lost to Triple G. When he stepped up against Triple G, he was undefeated at the time. Um, and he was, I mean, he was outclassed, you know, if we keep it at 100. Uh, he was outclassed, but he showed decent movement. And he was willing to trade, but Triple G's power was just overwhelming. Um, and with Mungia, the overall sentiment with him is that he he's raw talent and he can be great. But since moving up to 160, he's looked average against competition that's not elite. Like, for example, when I in the Johnson fight, um, he was arguably losing that fight. I personally had that fight uh three two in favor of three rounds of two in favor of, of Johnson. Johnson came on strong and adjusted to what McGee was doing. It's just that uh McGee landed that big uppercut and really uh caused that big gash in Johnson's lip, and that's how he got the stoppage. But McGee had lost several inside exchanges with Johnson, and he had trouble responding um, to Johnson adjustments, um, you know, Johnson being a, a veteran. And McGee, although he has 36 fights in, under his belt, you know, he's still relatively young. And so um, all that said, I think that he should do enough to get a decision here. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Zeramada gave him a tough fight in the process. Um, I don't think it'll be unless – McGee just got a lot better or he's starting to realize his potential. Um, I don't know if it'll be like a runaway victory type of deal. And you guys have anything to share with this one? I do. Um, only thing I'm going to say is this, because you you just you guys just told me something, because I was under the impression he was fighting Selecki um, for the fight um, next week. If he's fighting Sheremeta, I think that I think that's, that's better for him because as you stated, he's a young guy. And I was going to say, because he would be a six to one favorite against Selecki. And based on what I remember from Selecki, I would say that's an upset alert. I would mess around and go on Bravado and put some heavy money on Selecki if they were to fight now, because mm -hmm. he's more skilled, especially at 160 than um, Jaime Maguire. And I think that that wouldn't a wise decision right now maybe a year or so from now you can fight somebody like selecti but i like the share meta fight better and i do think that he has enough to be able to stop share meta I, I would predict the late round stoppage uh, for jaime mcgee against somebody like a share meta and so i think that's a much better fight for him i don't hold the Tirino johnson fight 
against Munguia that much because Torino Johnson, if he's fighting fighting the right type of opponent, he can be tricky for a young guy who's still developing their talent, still developing their skills. And so that's that was kind of a good matchup for him, you know, to have to go through something like that. But that still probably was a little too early for him to face somebody like that. They need to, you know, each fight work on some things for Mikeia before he starts to up the level of his opposition. But I think this is a good matchup for him. So, again, I predict that he'll win probably by a late-round stoppage against a fighter of the caliber of the Sheer Metal. You got anything, Phil? Uh, y'all guys said it perfectly. Uh, I don't have anything to share. Cool. So our last topic for today, um, as everyone knows, last week Floyd Mayweather Jr. faced off against Logan Paul, one of the Paul brothers, YouTuber, uh, famous YouTuber, an exhibition fight. Um, he received a lot of backlash after after that fight, and um, as with you know several exhibition fights that have happened lately. Um, there's been a debate over whether or not these are ruining the sport of boxing. Um, how do you guys feel about it? Do you feel like exhibitions are ruining the sport or, or what are your thoughts? I think ruining is a, is a harsh word to use. I think there's a lot of things that can be ruining boxing uh, with exhibitions. I don't think it's like a, exhibitions are a great thing. I mean, the exhibition that we've been seeing between, you know, especially when it involves two guys who aren't, you know, trained. To, to, to do this um, yeah it gets more eyes and it gets casual fans talking and I can't tell somebody you know not to get in the ring or do that I mean if they have the heart let them fight um, but at the same time one thing that I always keep in the back of my head is is there are guys right now who who, who given you know their lives since they were eight years old you know to, to this boxing game and been fighting 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 and they never reached that uh stardom level where they can be on you know pay-per-view i'll say i'll even say majority of the fighters um they take five to ten years even even your your, your top fighters they've taken five to ten years before they even became a household name i mean i mean we put into perspective that someone like uh, uh a deontay wilder or a bud crawford they were in a, they were uh at, they've turned pro around 2008 you know what i'm saying uh both of them probably didn't start getting they're really get really really good to their their breaks until like maybe what uh 2014 or something like that it takes a minute for for fighters to get started uh yeah you see you yet you have youtubers is coming in a game you know getting these million dollar fights on pay-per-view and you know i mean i can't hate on why i think i blame the promoters more than anything but i also have to realize i'm not the target audience for it um I would say it's more so it might be spoiling the sport of boxing. I don't know if it's ruining it. It's like saying that, you know, Planet Fitness is ruining, you know, hardcore weightlifting, you know. I mean, if I want to do some heavy squats or deadlifting, you know, I don't go to Planet Fitness. You know, I have a Planet Fitness membership, you know. I have a GOES membership. I go in the GOES, I do my, my hardcore lifts, I grunt, do all that stuff, you know, there's no alarm. But when I want to get a quick workout and not think about it too much, you know, I can go right across the street to Planet Fitness, get that quick workout and still get fit and still get a good workout. So um, when it comes to uh, exhibition boxing, I mean, yeah, I'll check it out, watch it just to be entertained. But um, as far as my uh, looking looking for skill level and all this stuff, um, even if they're, they're a former boxer, you can tell that they're, you know, they're not what necessarily what they used to be like when you see a Floyd Mayweather you know I mean I've watched Floyd Mayweather most of his career um, you could tell he's not exactly what he used to be and he's just you know he's getting his money um, but you got to blame it on people that's willing to pay for it you know <laughs> uh, but but when it comes to things like um, Lamar Odom versus Aaron Carter that's why I think the line is kind of cross I mean people might like that but that's like looking at something that should be coming on MTV and just seeing two guys. They used to actually had that. When you look, I remember this, this wasn't, this is about, I can't, what, 10 to 15 years ago when Todd Bridges boxed Dustin Diamond on MTV television, you know, that's what it looked like. That's basically what it was. And to think those guys, Todd Bridges in particular, because, you know, Dustin Diamond, we know he passed away last year. 
Todd Bridges is probably kicking himself. Like I could have been on pay-per-view doing this. You know? So it, once it started getting to that point with the Lamar Odoms and Aaron Carters and, you know, it, it gets to be too much. And it's, it's kind of, you know, watering down, I mean, the sport that we love. What was that? Yes. JDS? It's hard for me to say. I'll say it's spoiling it, but it's not ruining it. Boxing has been ruining more by the business than it is by uh, exhibition boxing. You know, the business of it has been ruining. You know, that's the, the, the promotional companies and all that and fighters not fighting each other. That's ruining it more than I say exhibition. Exhibition is just a side thing. I don't even consider that boxing. You know, that's like saying that UFC is ruining boxing. No, but boxing has to be responsible for itself. And I, I would say no, but it's not something, I'm not the target audience for it. So, you know, it's, it's not something that I'm, I'm not going to be into. Okay. So what, this is how I look at it. I say it's not running the sport of boxing. The sport of boxing is running the sport of boxing. You wouldn't be able to have this as pay-per-view. You wouldn't have people who are, more interested in these sideshows than actual like top level fighters fighting each other. You wouldn't have that if that was the norm in boxing. So my stance is, no, it's not. This is just uh, um, an effect of what boxing is doing it to itself. So some of the things that you mentioned, for one is too many belts out there. Everybody's being handed a belt. So your average fan really doesn't know who's the best fighters because each is so many belts in each division. You can't really point out to that's the champion at this weight division. That's the heavyweight champion. That's the champion here. Um, so you have that, you have guys who aren't willing to fight each other. I got a belt so I can make, you know, almost a million dollars fighting this opponent. Um, I can fight this opponent for a minute. So you can, if you can continue to do that and promoters aren't allowing that, then, that's just going to muck up everything. And people don't have like an identifiable person who that they know is like the best person, or these are the best guys in this division because they'll pull somebody up. They're making it. I saw a press conference with Charlo versus the guy he's facing now. And they're making a big deal about it because the guy has all of these chaos, but he hasn't fought anybody. Charlo should be fighting somebody else. Um, and that should be what the focus should be. The other thing, as far as the promoters, each promoter they don't really want to lose out one of their fighters to another promoter because that's going to lose money for them and they can't keep the money in-house so they and then once you have that going on then you'll see something like an ESPN and have a top pound for pound list but they really don't want to put guys that aren't really ESPN fighters on there so they'll leave some of those guys off so again it's causing too much confusion in the sport of boxing which is allowing other things to take precedent over the sport like uh, um, exhibition matchup in a circus bouts and stuff like that. That's a little bit more entertaining because at least those guys are recognizable to your everyday average person. And if you think about the fighters, you got the welterweight division, you got Crawford not fighting Spence for all of these years. You got Tank Davis, who's going up and down weight divisions, not fighting any recognizable guy that really he should be facing. You got, um, you got Joshua, who he's doing the same thing. But the other thing is fans are accepting this. If I listen to UK guys, you can't tell them. Like, they'll come up with all type of excuses for the guy that they like, as opposed to just being honest and saying, yeah, you know, he is like kind of ducking this person over here. Just be honest with it and let the best fighters fight the best fighters. And if that was the norm in a sport of boxing, then people would be clamoring to see these matchups oh man he's fighting him he's fight so then that that would be the norm in the sport and then that would be the norm for the excitement that would be building up because hardcore boxing fans would make sure that they man you gotta see this fight but we like yeah man okay we want to see the fights because we just like to see fights but it's not really something that is going to shut things down you know what i'm saying and like i say it's just causing room for these type of events to be taking place and it's a shame because, you know, like I say, back when it was like the golden era, you know, the last of the golden era to me was, you know, you had Whitaker, you had like De La Hoya and those guys. You had, um, you know, 
they always wanted to fight the best fighters. You know what I mean? And I think that Floyd Mayweather, he gets a bad rap because Floyd had done so much and positioned himself to be the number one attraction in boxing. And once you're able to do that, then it's okay to be able to select and choose who you, you're going to fight, knowing that this is going to be a huge pay-per-view event because that name matches, you know, it's, it's even higher than what it is that I did before. So it's okay for me to go ahead and do those type of things because I've already done the groundwork. I defeated, you know, um, all of these top level opponents. I defeated Gotti. I defeated De La Hoya. I def and I've been moving up doing this type of stuff. These guys are not doing that. And they're taking shortcuts. And like I say, it's causing room for this type of nonsense where people just not really interested in boxing like they used to be. So they will gravitate to see uh logan paul who's talking all of this stuff on social media so they're interested in him and his fan base and his followers are going to go ahead and see him fight against whoever he's in the ring with because he's causing that type of attention these guys don't even really promote you don't be seeing these guys too much outside of winning about the fight ryan garcia was the closest thing to doing that but then he fell off the map because then he started you know kind of ducking the guys who he said he was going to fight and so, and that's the reason why I was riding out with him at one point, because I thought that he was one of the ones who had, who came from that cloth, because he was under De La Hoya, who was one of the last guys who was seeking out the best opposition, who had the spotlight on him. So I said, oh, he's coming from that cloth. So he's going to be willing to go ahead and take these risks and put the sport back where it's supposed to be. But you don't have anybody else out there like that. They get so content with where they are and they don't promote. They're not fighting the best fighters. So people are like, the heck with those guys. Yeah, I'd rather go ahead and see this. You know, as far as these dudes I'm following on social media. So, I, like I say, boxing is the one that's running the sport. And this is just a remnant of the effects of them running the, the sport themselves for the various reasons that I mentioned earlier. Yep, you guys made basically most of the points I was going to make. Um, my short answer is no. Um, I mean, if we were talking specifically to Mayweather and Paul Cart. As it pertains to the Chad Johnson and the Mayweather exhibitions, my expectation was already set. I, I knew what they was going to be, but boxing failed to leverage that that night. I believe I, that that's my belief because, like, if you look at the actual boxing fights, right? Jared Heard was underwhelming. John Pascal didn't even make it to the ring. He did all the drugs, and so like those two were the most disappointing uh, events of that night to me. I knew I was getting out of the other ones. Um, another thing that I thought of while y'all were talking is that uh, I think that, you know, exhibitions, people say the exhibitions have been happening. I just think it's more, it's harder to to kind of stomach for, for people because before exhibitions were being done between like boxers and then professional, like world-class athletes from other sports. You know what I mean? When, when Muhammad Ali did it, he did it with a, a Japanese wrestler, you know what I mean? Uh, that was a professional wrestler. Uh, even the little ones that Shaq did on the Shaq versus show, like, you know, 10 plus years ago when he did the De La Hoya and the Sugar Shane, that was in the context of, you know, a TV show that was Shaq doing, was doing for entertainment, but it was at least against, you know, some world-class professionals. Um, so I think that's hard of the stomach. But at the same time, you know, shout out to Jalen Rose because, I, you know, I'm a big fan of his podcast. And he would always say, in sports and life, you never get what you deserve, only what you had to leverage to negotiate. And so, you know, the fact that the matter is, even though it's hard to the stomach, these YouTubers, regardless of like what, what gimmicks they've done to get there, they have put themselves in a position where they put themselves in a position where um they can leverage that for themselves and they can make something of, of their career with with this a simple youtube account and so um you know similar to what you guys were saying i think that boxing itself and boxing fans need to be looking into the mirror um you know like you said boxers will boxers don't promote themselves like they used to uh, they need to build a better audience you know, we bought a top 10 pound for pound. If I was to bring up most of that list, I mean, that list of most casuals, I doubt they'll be able to identify half those names because fighters don't promote themselves. And then, you know, like you, again, to your point, you have big names who are not demanding big fights. You have promoters who are not setting the best fights up for their fighters. And and really for the for the fans, it's, it's kind of like, 
they're some some fans are not a lot of fans are not using their power to drive decisions um and the power comes from the money these companies are going to it's either gonna happen one of two ways either the companies these companies or these promoters are going to put people in the fans faces and they drive uh, how the market goes or the fans are going to choose to support or not support and they're going to drive how the market goes floyd himself said after the after the fight if y'all don't want to watch don't come and it goes both ways so if you want better fights don't support the bad ones and support the good ones canelo is number one pound for pound fighter right he just unified the belts at his weight class in may and that fight attracted 400,000 new subscribers to the zone, which is cool, right? Like 400,000 is a good number, but Mayweather Paul got 1 million plus plus uh, buys on pay-per-view. So that means financially, 400,000 people agreed to pay $20 for a month of fights. Um, and 1 million plus people agreed to pay $50 for a night of exhibition fights, mostly. So if the box community wants to see more good fights, then they got to financially support more good fights. You know, Floyd says the patches on his trunk, they cost 30 million. So Floyd, before he even fought, made $30 million that fight. These companies that, that you know, paid him to promote, they chose promote because they assumed a certain amount of return on investment. So if each company paid Floyd X amount of million of dollars to promote it, but it didn't generate any income or business, you think they're going to keep continuing to promote that way? So... You know, I say if boxing fans should promote boxing and, you know, when the community sees exhibitions like that happening for entertainment, if you have an issue, you should either not support or use it as leverage. Uh, this is not to the fans, but this part is to the, you know, to promoters and to the fighters. Use it as leverage and bring better fights to the table. That's all I got. Yeah, uh, I have some more, some, just briefly. I don't to, as we all agree, that's not, you know, ruining the sport. I, I will say that it is causing an anomaly, a little bit of anomaly, as as this it's causing a uh, a problem where it's confused. It's causing confusion a little bit. It's confusing casual fans when when people are betting money on the Mayweather Logan fight, you know, and thinking that they're, they're really betting for real, you know, like that, like that, you know, that's an issue for me. Just like I I, I used to have, I had discussions on people were, were asking me. You know who's gonna win between Mike Tyson and Roy Jones, and they were saying Mike Tyson's gonna knock him out in this many rounds, and and they hadn't even read the rules of the exhibition. You know they don't they don't just and and then you have people who are complaining, you know, disappointed that the Mayweather Paul fight didn't have the actual winner was not announced. They should have read the rules before that. It's like they're it's causing confusion where people who who don't really follow the sport. They don't understand what's going on. They don't understand. They're expecting something that that I, I don't understand. Because as a boxing fan, I read the rules. I know what it is. It's an exhibition, and I just go get entertained. They were expecting something that that they were expecting something more than than what they were supposed. What they what was there. So that's all. That's all. Yeah, let me wrap things up pretty soon. I just want to say a couple of things. It's not going to get any better because we have gotten into the stage where it's, that, that's what it's all about. Like as far as the company's concerned, they're just concerned with the money. You know what I mean? Like what, as far as the money that they can make. And then also you couple that with fans, like fans, we have gotten to the point where it, the logic behind like boxing, is not there. You know what I mean? You have fans who they, if they don't want to see their fighter lose, they don't want to see them fight against tough level opposition. And it's like they want them to fight people who they that they can continue to get victories over so that they can be happy, you know. And, you know, that's run, running the sport as well. But it's not going to get any better because, like I said, boxing, which that's what I fell in love with, is because of the competitiveness of it. It was just like mano y mano. I want to be the best and typically guys who – were rewarded with being like the pound for pound champions or those type of lists or being regarded as the best in the division. Part of it is because those guys wanted to prove that they were the best. And anytime that they were at the elite level, if you approach them about somebody who was supposedly capable of beating them, they wanted that fight to prove that I'm the best. 
I don't think that we're going to get back to that point ever again because it's a business. And even fighters look at it like that. They'll figure out a way where they don't have to fight somebody. You know, they can come up with all types of excuses and then they're going to have the support. But some people are going to support them in their actions. Whereas before, you would turn people off and you would have to get that, you know, um, that, that honor back, you know, if you show that you were trying to duck somebody. But we're not going to get ever get like that. Boxing has gotten to the point where it's like everything else. You don't have, like, if we listen to, let's say, for instance, rap music, the people who are actually the best skill-wise, they get rewarded, right? It's not, those are not the guys who you see on the list or who they play on the radio. Like, it's just more so stuff that's catchy, stuff that's going to get people, you know, the dance, the new dance craze. It's not based on what <laughs> they actually are supposed to be doing if you think about like the who sell the most burgers it ain't the best uh, restaurant who has the best burger you know what i mean it's mcdonald's mcdonald's don't have near the best burger but it's just that's just how it's that's capitalism and so people just trying to capitalize and make as much money as they possibly can and it's not about like the best anymore you know however it is that they can you know get as much proceeds and um economically it can be beneficial to all parties involved that's the direction that it's going so i think at the end of the day you know just if we ever get a chance to get some of the best fighters you know to fight each other you know hopefully you know we just have to be appreciative of those moments um now it's not be like that's not going to be the norm i don't see it anything anything you guys um have else that you want to discuss before we wrap things up nothing on that subject but i just want to say a uh, shout out to the group um Clarissa Shields she uh had her first MMA fight on this past Thursday and she and she got the win so so shout out to her that's all I got okay yeah you got anything there yeah yeah shout out to the quote yeah shout out to Clarissa Shields also you know I've been following her career even when she was an amateur and 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 following social media very bright young lady um and it, I'm still, as a boxing fan, I'm still going to claim her as one of ours. She's both, you know, she's, she's multi-talented, you know, shout out to the young lady. I know it has nothing to do with boxing, but then we have like the little gymnast won all of those uh, medals. Yep. Simone Biles, I believe. Oh yeah. Yeah. They hardly even mentioned that on ESPN. It was talking all about Logan Paul though, but they don't, see, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like <laughs> we just like in a twilight zone when it comes to sports and entertainment. But on that note, we don't want to, you know, stay around as long, you know, too long. But I thought that that was a really good discussion and dialogue that we had today. Um, just make sure you keep catching us on our social media handles and always catch us on the podcast because we're going to give you um, everything that you need when it comes to the sport of boxing. On that note, you all enjoy your Monday and uh, have a great week. Peace. Peace. Peace.